Praise the Lord. Thanks again. I, I appreciate so much your, your thoughtfulness. It was kind of really a surprise. I, I thought I'd es escaped this year. But thank you. God bless you all. You know, sometimes when um, we look at the things that are happening in the world around us, a temptation would be for those who are in a pastoral role or any kind of a preaching role to just focus on the things that are happening. And that, um, that is sometimes called as relevance. You know, it's, it's relevant that you're speaking to this. And the longer I live, I've been reflecting back on things that all the relevant, relevant things that have happened in, over the years, as long as I've been aware and in church. I remember in the 60s how relevant it was just to speak about the unrest that was going on in our nation. And in the 70s, you know, the moral majority rose, and that was really relevant. And then, uh, you know, you just go on down through the line, you know, the election of Ronald Reagan, that was relevant. It was significant. But as I look back on those things that were really relevant, that we as Christians focused a lot of our attention on, not a whole lot of relevancy now, spiritually and eternally, on those things that we thought were so relevant back then. And the more I'm recognizing as I, as I try to grow in the Lord, is the only things that are really relevant are those things that are, um, that are eternal. Years ago, a man that I just loved and appreciated, Brother H.C. Noah, who was the pastor of Great Oak Cliff Assembly of God for many, many years. He was the man I interned under. He, he, uh, he and my father-in-law married us. Um, he ordained me when uh, I was at district council one year. And he gave me a leather-bound copy of my utmost for his highest. And um, every now and then, at least once a week, I'll pull that out. And it's, it's just little vignettes, you know, that you can read from day to day. And inside he wrote to a brother beloved. He was older then. His hand was kind of shaky as he wrote. And I just treasure that. It's in the front drawer of my desk. And I was reading about Abram yesterday. And when God met with him and the angels were going to go on to Sodom and Gomorrah, and the onus of what was written in that book was that the most important thing that happened right then was not necessarily the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, but the commune between God and the father of all who walked in faith. And out of all of that time, the thing that we looked at right now are those examples of Abram, the father of all who walk in faith. Sodom and Gomorrah is a byword for us. I mean, that happened so long ago, and there are even many naysayers that say it, the destruction never really happened, which is ludicrous, but there it is. And, and I, I thought about that, and I thought about relevance. You know, I could come today, you know, we're praying for our country. That's the most relevant thing we can do. And any saint, I'm not preaching to a bunch of backsliders and sinners here. I'm speaking to saints. And anybody who's watching us, I would, I would assume that at least 
upper 90%, unless somebody just stumbled in on the broadcast, are saints who are praying in the Spirit, who love the Lord. So I don't need to be preaching against sin to you. You, sh you should know those rules and, and wrongs and rights. And I, I, you know, I would think that anytime you hear something that is said in the media or you hear something that is promulgated by a political party, you should know right off that's not godly or that's a pursuit of the Lord. So if you need me to spend the time up here yip-yapping to you about things that you already know, well, then I think we're all in the wrong place. So the most, the most essential thing that I can provide as I seek the Lord uh, in a relevant standpoint is what's God doing in you? And what are we as saints participating before the throne in the midst of this really strange and changing spiritual environment in the timetable of God? And what, what is God as, as our friend? He's our father, but we are to be friends of God. We're friends of the bridegroom, the Bible says. Uh, what, is, what is God really wanting to develop in us for the service to him right now and for what is coming? So um, I've noticed that in, in my life, it's, it's been a very integral work. It's been a very intrinsic work. It's been very deep things that God has been speaking about. And I've been telling you this. We've been speaking this from the Word because I know it's happening in all of you too. And the other day, I was getting ready for um, the, the prayer primer and the ministry in the night. How's that been working out for you? It's been very interesting. In fact, I've, I've gotten up so early in the morning, I, the past couple days, I'm thinking it doesn't really do me much good to go to bed. You know, I might as well just stay, <laughs> stay up, which I'm not complaining about. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just, and it's just a very strange time for me physically, even though I'm well, I'm well, I really can't be drinking coffee right now. So, and even my, 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 download. If I have too much coffee, I go to Earl Grey. I'm not drinking either of those, so I don't know what I'm doing to get a, a spike of caffeine. But God is sustaining. And uh, I was preparing this word. In fact, on Wednesday, I got confused. I thought it was Thursday night, and I, was, I recorded the prayer primer, and I was ready to post it, and I thought, wait a second. This is Wednesday. This is not Thursday. We've got to put that out on Thursday, thus says the Lord. But the theme of that on Thursday has been something that's really stuck with me. And it has to do with this word. Here was the scripture, Psalm 63, 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Uh, the, the onus of that brief prayer primer on this past Thursday was the meaning of this word meditate. And I felt like the Lord was saying you need to keep, you need to, follow this a little bit further, which is what we're doing today, because there's something in this that is a training point for us in the midst of our supplication. Because when you pray in grace, when you pray as a, as a partner with God in supplication, you need to remember that failed grace is bitterness. And grace is always pressing forward into the new, and it costs you to partner with God to welcome that birthing. That's really what grace does, and that's what grace is. And 
but, but the issue is, is that there's so many opponents to grace, and there's, there's the potential of bitterness all around, uh, according to what the Scripture says, that we need to know how to function as a friend of God and as a partner with God at that table when we're surrounded by the enemy, at that place where light rises upon you, where darkness and gross darkness is all around. Because that's, here it is, folks, that's what God really needs to establish in us for the days that are coming. We need to be able to find Him and to really, no matter what's going on, meditate and commune with Him, and in that point of grace, determine in ourselves that we are going to process appropriately, and we're not going to give place to anger, we're not going to give place to grace, be angry and sin not, but we're going to pursue in that meditative point what God is really saying, and that is a skill set. That is something that the Spirit is needing to develop in all of us. I, I was reading um, somehow, you know, I won't go into all the details, but, you know, you get these big books in the mail called The Great Courses of Life. I don't know if you, any of you see those. And so I was reading through that the other day to see what the great courses were. And I thought, well, some of these I'd really like to see, but one of them was the survival instinct. And it, and it said <coughs> that, People need to learn to develop ways to thrive in the midst of difficult situations. And here's something that I, that I heard, that so often when people are really in a desperate situation, it is their natural tendency to devolve and to rely on their worst tendency. And, and I thought, this is very interesting. This, was, this is something, this is a course that is, was, is taught in major universities, and, and it, you can look through the thesaurus of, of what's going to be taught in it. But that one phrase really got me, and I thought, you know, God is, God is searching our hearts, and He's trying to make the very worst tendency we might dis exhibit something that is mature in Him. And it, wouldn't it be great if we could say in our own lives, you know, the worst thing that may come out of me during times of duress is a, a very powerful principle of the kingdom. Wouldn't that be something? If we could say the top ten things that I might do, all of them are godly. Wouldn't that be something? That's where God needs us to be so that we're a good and faithful servant and that we don't, we don't fail. And so we look at this word that is translated as meditate, and it is hagah. And it, it, it's used in the Scripture for the growl of lions and bears, the sigh of the dove. It is used to describe mournful reflection. You'll find that a lot no matter what lexicon you may look through. And it would seem to me that as you look at the way these 25 times in these verses, that word is used in some really stemwinder verses, some very important verses. We're going to look at some of them. You see that people are either coming to grips with what God is saying or they're going wheels off into hell. Uh, either it's the wicked, which a majority of the time it's the wicked, devising things in this fulcrum 
of what you're going to decide to do, or it's going to be a godly thing. So there's no in-between. There's no neutrality in this. We either find out how to represent God in the midst of challenging scenarios, or we'll give ourselves over to some measure of missing the mark. It's, it's that classic bitter or better. It's that classic decision in grace as to whether we're going to partner with God in the midst of a challenging moment to bring something new to life that He's wanting, or we're going to fail in grace and we're going to corrupt and we're going to, um, we're going to fail. Uh, that's what the Scripture says. So I don't know what you think, but I want to be one that says, I'm going to follow the Lord. Now, I want to just clarify a couple of linguistic challenges here that some of you might be thinking. You might see Haggah, and I saw this in, in our English transliteration, and think, oh, is that from Chag, which is the root of the saints? Well, it's, it's not. It sounds, it sounds when you pronounce it similar, but the actual Hebrew roots are, are very different. If you want to read a good thing about Chag, read the book of Haggai, because that is what his name is formed on. And at the very end, you know, he's, he's an intercessor, and he's talking about how God is going to move through Zerubbabel, and he's talking about how God is going to stand strong on, on behalf of what God is wanting to do there when all around people are saying, we don't want you rebuilding the walls. We don't want you reestablishing anything. And at the very end of it, at the very end of that book that uh, is uh, basically a, a prophet whose name is the root of the saints, it says, I have set Zerubbabel as a signet. And that's really what we want, don't we? We want to partner with God. So if you want some reading about Chag, you can look at that. But this word is, is a standalone word, and it it, it speaks, if you look at the derivatives, like in Theological Word Book, that's a really nice one to look at derivatives forward and behind. You find that over and over again, this word can be used to think on the things of God or it can be used to, to feel some measure of challenge by the things you see without, without giving place to despair. And, and it, it really does show that you can, you can be in a mournful state, but a godly state. Not giving yourself over to dismay or giving up, but standing firm. And that's what we really need. Uh, it's, it's really what we need. So let's look at two very powerful verses where this is used. And it happens to be in Joshua and in the psalm. You know, I thought about this, and I thought, Joshua represented going into the promised land. And you say, duh. What he really did, Moses didn't get to go in. Moses set the stage for this, but Joshua was the one that was able to take them in. David, in Psalm 1-1, he wasn't the first king, but he was the one that developed the kingdom. So both of these individuals were arguably the most definitive leaders in establishing the new. Joshua into the land of promise and David ushering in the kingdom. I think you can debate that, but this is just really new beginnings. So one of the first things Joshua says is in Joshua 1.8, 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We love those verses, man. That's uh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. You know, it, these are great. Be strong and of good courage, great. But what's it built upon? What's the fuel in that tank? What's the engine? It's the Word of God and meditating. It does not say study. That's not the word that's used here, even though you should study. It's this rather odd word that says, as you're meditating on this book of the law, you're going to be in some really challenging moments. You're going to be, all these ites are going to be around you, and you're going to be life or death every day. You've got to know this book of the law, and you've got to meditate on it, not just in the night, but day and night. And this odd word is the kind of meditation you do. Let's, before we extrapolate on that a little bit more, let's look at Psalm 1. 1. David, the man who really was used by God, a man after God's own heart, to establish the kingdom. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of Yahweh, and in his law doth he meditate. There's our word, day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit, his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you have to say that a tree and the leaf is not going to wither, you have to figure that there may be conditions and climatic scenarios where that tree probably should be withering. So both of these mighty men talk about the law of the Lord and says we have to meditate on this way. And, you know, for Joshua, your way is going to be good and prosperous. He's going to cause you to, you know, you're not going to be afraid. God's going to be with you. You're going to have good courage. For David says you're going to be planted by the rivers of water. You're going to have fruitfulness. You're not going to wither. But the onus is the word of the Lord and you meditating upon that no matter what's going on. Isn't it interesting that over the past couple of years particularly, this is not an anomaly just for right now, but in the last couple of years particularly, there has been a concerted effort to debunk and to discard the word of God. And so if you if you are part of a progressive church that says, eh, you know, half that scripture is just myth and, you know, a lot of it we, you, you textually we can't really verify. And, you know, there are other scriptures that are of equally great value spiritually. And, you know, you go through that thing. Basically, you're discarding the thing that is never going to pass away. And then when you do that, you don't have to meditate on anything. You just go along with the current of wickedness. You just say, well, you know, the Scripture really doesn't say this. You know, we can interpret it in this way. So it's okay for you to do what you want to do. There's no meditation in this way involved at all if you discredit the Word and discard it. 
or if you begin to water it down or if you begin to twist it as Satan did into whatever way you might find most convenient. And so when you don't have the scripture, you have nothing hid in your heart that keeps you from missing the mark of God. And so you can be just find yourself in any kind of uh, disparaging situation and you can say you're serving God. You could say you're a spiritual person. You're a person of faith. Well, faith in what? I heard that at the vice president debate. You know, we're both people of faith. Well, faith in what? What kind of faith? Tell me. Elaborate. You tell me which kind of faith it is that tells you we can kill babies up to the time they're born. Tell me what faith that is. Tell me what faith it is, you know? So it reminds me back in the 70s during the moral majority time. Uh, one of the big things for a candidate to say was, I'm a Christian. Well, that can mean anything. That can mean anything. It just, it, it's, it's, can, you can say it, but are, are you it? <laughs> you, can, you can put that name out somewhere, but Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer, not named a house of prayer. I mean, you can name it anything, but are you actually doing it to where people say, you know what? You know what they do in there? They pray. And so... We have to be very careful today that when, um, when individuals begin to discredit the Word of God for whatever their motive, you know, they want to eliminate sin and exchange it for shame. There's a big difference between those two. You know, sometimes people are, it's kind of like the old boy that uh, I saw in a, in a movie, I think Walter Brennan, it was an old Western movie, Walter Brennan, yeah, he was the judge. And they, they caught this guy doing something wrong, and he comes in. He said, Judge, I, I'm awful sorry for what I did. He said, well, I think that the question for you, I'm going to try to interview. <laughs> Little Luke, I, I, won't, I won't try to imitate Walter Brennan. Some of you don't even know. You don't even know who Walter Brennan is, do you? Dear Jesus, God bless you, dear. <laughs> and he says, he said, are you sorry for what you did? Are you sorry you got caught? And that was the big thing, and everybody in the courtroom laughed. Oh, the courtroom was a saloon. You know those Western movies. If John Wayne had been there, they'd had a big brawl broke out because there has to be a big brawl in the saloon for any John Wayne movie, even in Vietnam. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, but, you know, you, that's one of the big things that you hear in the progressive group. You know, God's all about, you know, these people are shame. It's such a terrible thing. Well, no, it's not a sin. It's like what Jack Hayford said one time. He said this guy came to counsel with him for the fifth time. He said, Jack, Pastor Jack, I'm, I'm struggling. And Pastor Jack said, no, you're not. You're not struggling. You're sinning. And it's at the point where you've got to say that. It's not about shame. I mean, you can live in shame. Well, get your heart right and go before the Lord, and there's now no shame in you. If you just try to doll up the shame and say there's no sin, what have you done? Is that going to get anybody into heaven? You know, you stand before God in judgment. Well, I don't have any shame. Well, it's because you're, unabashed, you're unabashedly doing whatever you darn well want to do. Darn well, that's a Pentecostal swear term, along with dad gummit. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that, that the fact that in Joshua 1 and in Psalm 1, we find that what you do with the Scripture is this particular and peculiar type of meditation 
where you find yourself in the midst of the decision, okay, for David, there's going to be climactic challenges. I need to be a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, and I don't want to have my leaf wither no matter what's going on because I am going to be deliberating before God. For Joshua, we're going into the land, and every day you're going to have to, you're going to have, to have your life on the line. But the book of the law is what you have to meditate upon day and night. You have to deliberate that. You need to let it be your meat. You have to let it be your, your bread. You have to let it be your water. You have, to, you have to be absolutely in there. When anything comes that's a challenge, you need to go before the Lord and let that Scripture, that Word, be your rock and deliberate then. You say, see, there's a difference between, I can tell you this, for being blessed to have been a student of the Word for decades now, there's a difference between me studying the Word and me deliberating in this kind of way. There's a big difference. There is a big difference. Because, you know, if you're just teaching the Word and you've got, a, you've got three big points and you're firing it away and, you know, everything's fine, that's great. We've all been there as teachers. But when you are in the midst of a valley, and our nation's in the valley right now, wouldn't you say? A lot of nations are. You've got that word, and there are voices here and voices there, and accusations and criticisms and maligning influences, and then you want to react in anger, and you want to speak forth something that's probably not godly to answer that back. And if you've not felt at least the temptation to do that, God bless you. Probably Bev's the only one in here that's just sweet enough that would never do that. Don't write me any letters, any of the rest of you. I'm sweet enough. <laughs> um, I, there are times where my righteous indignation just gets flared up. And I have to say, Father, if you answer a fool, you've bested no one. And... Um, I, I, don't, I don't need to be, I need to know what you're saying right now. I need to stand for righteousness, but I need to be in your word, partnering before your throne, because this too shall pass. But what you're really wanting to accomplish right now in my heart is the most relevant thing I should be doing. And so when I have to get in the midst of the Scripture and feed off of that, when there aren't any one, two, three answers for what's going on today, because most of these people who are representing crazy things don't believe in the Word of God anyway, even if they are people of faith. So preaching the Word to them is going to get some stern rebuke, as Mark mentioned in Sunday school class. But what we have to do is become so inundated with that scripture and let it be something that is um, that is part of us and we deliberate there nothing there's nothing quite to compare with feasting on the word especially when you are serving the father and you're you're a saint representing something before the throne that's being tested in, on a global way that's when the Word really has its greatest input of nutrient into your life. I believe it. It's kind of like that song Potter sang years ago. Uh, that's, that's when your spiritual belly is laying on your backbone 
And that's when the Word of God really has the deepest meaning in your life. It's true. It's absolutely true. You, you feed on, you train yourself in those times of challenge. And you train to receive the nutrients and the strength of the Word. The next time you're in that place, that's going to be there. And that the essence of what you learned there and how you tapped into God is there. So this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You will meditate there day and night. And David reiterates that same thing. I love what Solomon said, Proverbs 8, 7. For my mouth shall speak. There's that ha-ha word. Truth. Emet, which is the fulfillment of what's at the right hand. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. There you have that, that, uh, that separation between what you're going to do. And people, see, humans were made to function in this way. And, and you're People are going to use this capacity one way or another. Sadly, there are millions of people in our country alone who utilize this to do the types of things that are the predominant ways this word is used in the Old Testament. For instance, Psalm 2.1, why did the heathen rage and the people haggah a vain thing? Job 27.4, my lips shall not speak wickedness nor my tongue, Hagah, deceit. See, you're, you're, you're going to be in that moment where there may be a temptation to veer off or to go into some measure of the currents of modern society that are not godly. And then if you do that, that spiritual capacity that people have been given by God to exercise if it's not being used for godly things, the enemy will make sure that it's being used for negative things. And there are a lot of other verses. I didn't list them all. You can, there's only 25 instances. Of this. You can look. Maybe you're looking it up right now. I don't know. But a large percentage of them are this kind of thing, where the wicked are using this capacity to, to speak forth things, to curse, to, to release things. And so we have to be the godly sons and daughters of the Most High who utilize this capacity based upon the Word of God. Not by some what some rogue priest said or not by some mystic over here who's suckled at the, at the breast of Buddhism, but what does the Word of God say? And, and I'm going to deliberate there and I'm going to meditate there because that's my strength and it's going to keep me from veering off and it's going to bring me the... The, the nutrients from the throne of God, from His eternal words that are going to cause me to prosper as a saint in the midst of this environment and is going to cause me to be able to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You, uh, I would say, I would go this far to say, without that, that prerequisite of meditating day and night in the Scripture, it's going to be very difficult for you to enjoy the things that Joshua said from there and the things that David said from there. See, we like to pluck that out. I'm like a tree that's planted by the waters. You know, we like to sing that. But meditating day and night, 
I'm not, again, it's not just quoting scripture. You know, I keep something also in my desk. I keep a lot of weird things in my desk. They're all, I feel like an old timer. These are all memories from years ago. When I was in high school, I decided I was going to memorize a different scripture every day. So I had the old days, I, I had these five by seven note cards and I stamped a hole in them and I put one of those ring clasps on there. So I've got like 50 of those in my, in my desk and in my handwriting, you know, I've, I've got these verses. There's a difference between memorizing the scripture and haggaiing them when you're in a scenario that's very challenging spiritually. It, it, it's just a difference. I can tell you from personal experience. There's a difference in this. Now, many of you, I don't know, you've had word search Bible programs, and if you've got a Mac, you recognize that it's kind of kaplooey now, and it's transitioned over to Logos, and Mark told me about that a couple weeks ago. Well, you transfer us over into Logos, and um, it's a very smooth transition, but it's, it, it is very scholastic. It is very scholastic, and it's not as simple as the word search program. And, and so I'm looking at this stuff, and I feel like I'm back in seminary in, in an advanced Greek class, and I'm thinking, look, I don't want to do all that right now. What I want to see is I want to see where all this word is used. Now, you can do that, but it's kind of like it, it, the, the designer of this program is kind of an egghead probably, and they're, they're more interested in debating the things that are further on down the line, which is fine. But there's a difference between having that kind of study and meditating in this way. So how do you do this? Well, first of all, you've got to be in a position to do it. And I, I, I don't know where you are, but I imagine that most of you who are intercessors are in this are in this valley and you see things and you recognize things spiritually and you think man it's there's just a there's a tug of war right now there's a war right now for the very fabric of the soul of nations and you can see the enemy trying to lay down his his foundation for what the bible prophesies is not only coming but is on the doorstep and you see that. And, and for me, I can't pray, Lord, stop this all. Because then I'm praying, Lord, what you said in your word that are going to happen, I don't like it. Don't let it happen. You know what I mean? What I'm praying is for the timing of the Lord. And I'm praying in accordance with what Daniel said, that the enemy will not be able to change the times as the saints are deliberating before God. I don't want this window that God has ordained to close before the time. I want, I want to stand in the gap and say, Lord, we got to work for the night is coming. And we don't want the enemy putting something through the Council of Seven Congress that is a, it's a, a new time change. <laughs> Whatever happened to that? I thought Texas was going to eliminate the time change. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have time change. It's been staying so dark, it's going to stay dark even later once we do this time change. It's going to be interesting, though, because this is going to be one of the first times I've been here in the fall for a time change. I'm kind of looking forward to it. But we don't want the enemy to be doing any illegal time changes right now. And I think he's really trying to do that. 
You say, oh, the enemy doesn't do that. Well, then what does, da that book, what does Daniel mean then when he says that? Explain that to me. Explain that to me. He's grappling. The enemy's grappling with the saints. There's an overcoming and then a triumphing and an overcoming and a triumph. And they wear out the saints. And, you know, then he will try to change the times and the seasons. So I don't want the enemy doing that right now. He's, he's going to try to. And I think he is trying to. He's trying to stop things before God can really uh, see. And God's going to have his way. But see, that's the strange thing about God. People sometimes said to us when we started to pray in this way, well, why are you spending so much time? God's going to do what he wants to do anyway. Did you ever hear that? It's just all going to come. Well, just sit in the back row, the highest row of the stadium, and just watch what's going on in the field. Root every now and then. Have some, plenty, have some popcorn. You know, I don't want to be that way. I mean, I, I want to serve our Father, and I know you do too. And so, when I'm praying and I'm, I'm looking at the Scripture and I'm thinking, Father, how are you viewing this? I can see this and I can see that. And as American and as a Christian, I can become really, I can become angry right then. And I want to do something. And then I start thinking things and then I have to reel it back in. And I need to go into the Word and I need to pray and I need to say, Father, this is not acceptable to you. I know that. But what are this? This could be a leaf of the tree. This can be a, a diversion. This can be something that the enemy is stirring up. But I want to go. I don't want to be out on the fringe of this whirlwind, getting smacked by everything that's blowing out. I want to be in the center of it, where there's peace. And I want to know what you're doing in this. You're allowing the enemy to do this. But what is your agenda here, Father? What are you wanting to do? And I want to pray in accordance with that. And I think that when we have that kind of a mentality, then it comes back to what we've studied about recently regarding the itema, uh, where, where we pray in supplication and then we have a prosuke mindset. And then we say, all right, in the midst of all of this, this is what I'm asking God for. This is what I'm declaring. We've got to be so pure in, in using that kind of power and that discretion. And God wants us to be that way. That's where we're being trained right now. Do you see this? That's what God is training you and you and you and you and me and every one of the saints. God's wanting to train us to be that good and faithful servant that is before the throne and is not blown about by every wind of doctrine and not reacting and overreacting and running around like chicken little. Whenever. There are so many things that are going on. Every day you can find five or six of them that could just throw you for a loop. I mean, just outrageous things. You know, this past week I, I was praying for this woman, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, that is being put forward to be on the Supreme Court. And I'm praying. And I'm praying the Lord to give her strength. Because I think you can do a whole lot worse than having a, a devout, Pentecostal, charismatic, Catholic woman who loves the Lord. Not all Catholics are off the beam. I mean, I, I've met a whole lot of Catholics traveling in Europe who pray to the Lord, who go before the Father, who call upon Jesus' name. I've met a whole lot of Catholics who don't believe in that business of asking saints to pray. So I don't know where she is, but I, at least I know this woman is a good woman. And so I hear this senator from a far, far western state 
ask her something to do with just a, it was a foul question and a foul follow-up question. And I thought, that is, that's not just egregious, that's filthy. That you would interject that statement, that question to this godly woman and, and it was, it, you could tell this, this, this woman who, uh, this judge who had basically been unflappable, and she pretty much still was unflappable, when that was brought forth from a sitting United States senator asking about preferences, and, uh, and I, won't, I know some kids listen, so I'm not going to say what it is, but all of you adults probably know what it was said. You could, you could tell, and even by the answer, no, senator, I have never done that, ever. And I thought, who would think that thing? Who would bring that foul mouth nonsense into this place? And, and when I heard that, I started praying in the Spirit, and I, I stood up. I was standing before I knew, sitting in my office. I was working on some things. I had this in the background, and I heard that question, and I must, suddenly I wheeled around and looked at the computer. And, and I stood up, and I began to pray in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, I started really getting mad. You know, you can pray in tongues and be mad. You know, be angry and sin not. And I, so I had to be very careful not to sin there. And, and I had to be very careful what I was going to say there, because our words have power, especially as saints. As believers, yes. But as saints, to me, to me, much more so. To whom much is given, much is required. And, and I, I was ready to start speaking some things about, Lord, you've got to get this woman out of there. You've got you to cause her to be not elected anymore. You've got to have her people awaken. And I thought, wait a second. Did the Father tell me to do that? I don't know what he's doing in her. I think the better thing for me was be, Lord, convict her for saying that. For, for convict her because God is really wanting to, 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 to bring in stark contrast light from darkness. And so I sat back down and I just prayed in the spirit for a little while. I paused the thing and I thought, Lord, you know, you say, well, that's kind of a goofy thing, Pastor. You're making too much of nothing here. No, I don't think I am because I am a representative of the throne of God. I am a representative of our Heavenly Father, and so are you called to be. And, and I can't just be like Yosemite Sam firing off from the hip. <laughs> well, concern it. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, I can't do that. And so I prayed, Lord, help, help, help this thing. <laughs> anyway, there's always something almost every day, three or four things, like I saw last night. There was a group that was marching in San Francisco, and to march in San Francisco, you got to have some. <laughs> and they were marching to support the police, and they were marching to support a conservative, a godly agenda, especially uh, they were protesting uh, the lack of free speech with Twitter, Twitter, which is based in San Francisco. I don't know if you saw this. There was a group of suspected uh, Antifa people who attacked these people and broke one guy's leg and knocked the teeth out of the front teeth out of the guy that was the organizer and he was all bloodied and these these folks just thugs just came and attacked them it came and attacked them 
And I read that immediately in my heart. I've gone, I went out to pray in San Francisco every year for a number of years straight. I didn't say anything to anybody, just, well, my family knew. But I, I went out there and I prayed and I'd come back. And I, I'd think, dear God, this is America. That, that is thug. the very Antifa, which is supposed to be against fascism, is the more fascistic than anything I saw Mussolini or, or Hitler's brown shirts do, or maybe not more, but it's basically the same. And I thought in America, and suddenly I'm getting angry again. I thought, you know, this, this guy here, he looks like a really calm, nice guy, and he's got these teeth knocked out and blood's dripping down his face. And what was his crime? I'm just going to say we need to have freedom of speech in this country, and the media shouldn't be controlling it, whatever it might be. I don't like things that people say, but as an American, you back freedom of speech. You do. I mean, I don't like what they're saying. Most of the time, I don't like what they're saying. But as soon as we start trying to legislate morality with our fists, that's un-American. It just is. So I, I saw that, and I thought, oh, God. And I, I, I was just crushed about that. And then I had to reel it back in. I said, Lord... Let God arise. Do something in this country for your glory. Let your light shine. Let that revival that you've promised, that moving of your spirit come. And, you know, so this, this is where this Haggah, this word here, comes into play. When your emotions and every other part of you try to wrestle in and tap into any vestige of bitterness or any vestige of your own strength, and where you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, over and over again, we've got to find that place, that table that God has prepared in the presence of our enemy. And the last verse that I put up here is, is a strange one. But it's a good one. Uh, this, this term that you see in, in the Psalms, Higeon, it's a musical term, but it's, it's a derivative of this Haga. And apparently David was putting into action what he began his Psalms by telling us we need to be doing. And here in Psalm 916, it says, The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes, the wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Higion Selah. Isn't that something? What was David saying? You got the wicked that's doing stuff. You've got to have the mindset that they're going to be snared by the work of their own hands. And somehow then David was going to be expressing either in song or in some kind of a, of a, a personal expression before God some kind of a, of, a, of, a, of a musical expression, some kind of a poetic expression about this, from the strength of this, from the strength in, where the enemy was trying to do something. And before the Selah, David is going to offer some kind of a poetic expression of this very concept. Well, what, what happens next? Well, you don't have it, but I do. Uh, Psalm 97, verse 6 no, I'm sorry. Psalm 916. I'm sorry. I was turning. 
I was turning to it while I was preaching. The rustling of the leaves kind of got a little scattered there, didn't they? <laughs> okay. Um, here David, David says this. And I, I love this. This is, just, this is just a very deep spiritual principle. I'll finally get there. My, I, I need to spit on my fingers so I can turn this page better. What do you think, Kate? <laughs> the, the, what says next? The wicked shall be turned into hell. <laughs> and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let that man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Yahweh, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. Selah. This is the solution after the Selah, and then it ends with the Selah saying, let this same principle just keep being manifested. What's David saying here? He sees the wicked. He sees the machinations of their hands. He sees what they're doing. But he is so grounded in this desire to, to process deep within himself the factors that are going on around him based upon the law, based upon the Scripture. And when he sees the wicked doing these kinds of things, you know what? He was, he was the king. He could have done what he wanted to do. He could have gone and just slain the wicked, but he recognized that this was something that, this was a spiritual thing, and it could not just be handled by, by the strong arm of the physical. And he offers up this expression. I don't know what it was. You know, the, the opening of this is Muthlaban, which is something that is, this isn't one of Bin Laden's cousins. It's a, it's, a, it's a mournful dirge played at funerals, which really speaks about, look, when you come to the end of the life that we are all living, this is the principle that really matters. The wicked are trying to do this. I am going to go to the depth of what you've trained me to do, and I'm going to sing about this because I'm trusting that the sila is going to bring solution. And then what's the solution? These wicked that were trying to do these things, um, they're, they're, um, they're going to be turned to hell. And all the wicked, all the nations that forget God are going to be with them. The needy are going to be taken care of. But put fear, Lord, in the hearts of the nations so that they will recognize that they themselves are men. They're not God. They've got to answer to you. Selah. That's a pretty good thing. Now, again, when we're reading that, it's really great after the Selah to say, let the wicked go to hell, you know? Which is, that's not me cursing, that's what the scripture says. Um, we got to be careful not to italicize that, not to say that too loudly. But we know that that's the case for anybody that's not serving God. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no neutrality, there's no purgatory, there's no agnostic heaven. So we've got to believe that God's going to take care of things, but the most important thing is that we root ourselves in what he has said in his word, yes, we take a stand for righteousness. Yes, we, we speak very candidly about what we believe. And we, we be careful not to cast our pearls before swine. Because some people just aren't going to, you know, there's a lady in our neighborhood that I know we've pretty much marked. She seems real sweet, but she's, she's out there. And so 
I know I am never going to get into, and I won't say never, I'm not going to get into a debate about politics with her. She's an older lady. There's not going to be any win there. So I just have to guard my words. Uh, some people are like that. They just want a good argument. They call it political de debate, but there's no debate involved. And we've got to be really careful as intercessors before the throne that we're based on the word, that we're based on what God's spirit is saying, and that we are just absolutely, absolutely meditating day and night in this place where we could either go off into bitterness or we can stand strong for the Lord and welcome grace. Now, I, I know I didn't tell anybody how to vote. I know I didn't say anything about this or that. I did mention a couple of pertinent physical things that are going on in our nation. It's not just our nation either. I talked to the Benishans last week, and Luke was telling about how he hadn't seen anything like this in France since the 60s rebellions that were going on in the universities. And so it's, it's all over the world. But we, we're serving the God of all creation. And I've really taken a long time to try to speak about this, but uh, this is something that God is doing deep within who you are. Let him do it. Let him do it. And know that this is the heart of the conqueror. And this is the heart of the psalmist. It's the heart of the one who was uh, the, 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 uh, the ancestor of David, uh, the ancestor of Jesus, the kingdom that uh, is the one that's supposed to be the tabernacle of David. You want to minister in the tabernacle of David today? You better start doing this. So I, I've let this mull over in my heart as an active principle and I'd like to say that I'm all the way there. I'm not. I, I, I think, you know what I think, and I, I'm really finished with this, but I need to add this. I think that there is a, this strife has welcomed every evil work, and there is a, there's a wrath that is like an elixir that's moving through our country spiritually, and it, it inflames it inflames things on both sides. People can be quick to anger. They can just flare right up about these things. And, and it's, you see that politically. You see that. You see people that just just go off. I mean, in the, the town hall that was on NBC the other night when President Trump was up there, I thought that Savannah Guthrie was going to spin like uh, the Tasmanian devil and just fly right out of her chair a couple times. She was just lit up. And I thought, girl, calm down. You're on national TV and you're speaking to the leader of the country here. Just, just tamp it. Just, just calm down. We really need to pray. We need to pray for those who have rule over us. But I really think that it's not just ideas. It's not ideologies. Yes, there, there is very concerted light and darkness, based upon the Scripture, not upon my preference. No, scripture should be my preference. It is. But I, I know that we've got to be very careful because if we, you know, the Bible speaks about bitterness. You can be drunk on the gall of bitterness. And Paul said that. 
Paul said that to Elamus. And, and so there's, there's, there's a brew of bitterness that is prevalent across the world and in our country particularly. We need to be very careful not to sip it. We need to be careful to abstain from that. You want to be an abolitionist? Well, abstain from that. <laughs> abstain, don't, don't drink of it because it, it, it will fire you up. And you'll, you'll pretty soon move right out of being a spiritual representative into, into things that you, you might think, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You know, I'd rather not be in that condition. But there's a spiritual, it's trying to inflame things on both sides and, and in the middle. So be very careful with that. Be rooted and grounded in the, in the meditation of the Word and let your expressions be, be devoted to fulfill what God is saying at His right hand, according to Proverbs 8, 7. The heathen are going to rage. They're going to use this capacity to imagine vain things. They're going to use this to, to speak deceit and to speak of wickedness. And they're going to, many of them are very compelling. Many of them are very compelling. But many of them are lying. <laughs> I, I'm amazed. There's no facts checkers in this. There's, there's no, you know, somebody can say something that you just heard them say a week before the total opposite, and they deny it now. And you think, that's a lie. That's a lie. Or you can hear somebody say, this is not constitutional. It's, it's not right. But you know very well. Tell me where that is in the Constitution. Oh, no, I really can't. You know, it's not there. It, it, there's so many of things that people just absolutely believe are true, but they're just falsehoods. And they drink of this bitterness, and it becomes like a, a spiritual battle for them on the, uh, on the, on the side of, of sin and wickedness. And you, best, you better choose your battles. And you best choose your battlefield. That's a maxim of war. And, you know, you study any of the wars that America has been involved with, and even I, I don't study very many in, the, in, the, in Asia, but in European theater and in, in, in American wars, some of the greatest blunders were when people went off and they shouldn't have been fighting right then or they, they saw a battlefield and they thought, well, it's time for a battle and they recognized that, hey, the enemy's absolutely affixed here on higher ground or in these trenches. We're going to get blown apart. Um, choose your battles. Let them be gods. Choose your battlefield. And that's, that's the way you win victories in the natural and in the spirit realm. And, and a lot of the way we deduce that is being tempered in this measure of meditation to we're not, we're not blown about by every wind and we don't see something and go off half-cocked and, you know, sip of the, of the brew of, of bitter gall and just go off as a drunkard in the spirit realm and then think later, why did I do that? Man, I just created more problems. Maybe we need to pray that over our president. I'm serious. I think God will temper. From a standpoint of representing this country, um, I, I, just, I just know that, and I end with this, this factor right here is something that God is developing in all of his saints if we'll let him. And it is crucial for our continuing, uh, our continuation of walking in God. No matter what's going on, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. 
we are serving the King of Kings and we're representing him as sons. And we've got to allow him to train us. And we've got to allow him to, to um, establish us in his word and the things that are going on in the spirit. And again, the first two issues as we looked at was you're going in to take the land where there's a lot of ites and a lot of idols and a lot of demons. The way you establish your, yourself is by meditating on the law. David, when the kingdom was beginning, don't sit in the seat of this corner. Don't, don't let yourself be a, a product of that kind of discussion. You meditate on the word of the Lord, and you meditate on it day and night in this way, and he will keep you. That's the way a kingdom is established, and that's the way the promised land is taken, and that's where we are. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you, and I have tried to present this very difficult concept to folks that you're wanting to embrace this. And I pray, Father, that all of us would be students of your heart and that we would be these kinds of people that are established on your word and are honed to react according to your kingdom no matter what's going on around us. Help us to be trained by your spirit in this way. Help us to, to not use a human tendency to function in this way in a negative venue or a negative uh, expression. But help us, Father, to be that godly horse in battle that is so riveted on what you're saying that no matter what's going on, we can stand in that gap and find you and represent you. Help us, Lord, to serve you. And I pray a blessing over all of the saints, especially here, these faithful ones that are in this particular house. I ask you, Father, that you'll provide for them. I ask that your healing touch would be evident and health would abound in them. I ask that you will continue to prosper them. I continue to declare the blood of Jesus over all of us that we might be saved from as you have, I want to thank you, Lord, for preserving all of us from this scourge, this plague. Over these many months, Father, your blood has sustained us, and it will continue to do so. I continue to declare that over each one of us. And bless your people. Today, I conclude this prayer by asking you to use us tonight as we pray and fast for our nation. Use us. In whatever way we as saints need to contribute to this effort, use us and guide us. Thank you for this privilege, Father. And let us continue to meditate on you day and night. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Thanks so much for being here. And thank you all for, for joining with us across the miles. Be strong and of good courage. God is with you. Amen? Goodbye.